This is Rich Swingle, and this morning at Westchester Chapel, Pastors Jim and Linda Warren opened the service, and because they were in a separate house from Pastor Rachel, who was preaching the message, since we were meeting over Zoom only, uh, I just asked them their permission to summarize their openings because they were so profound and powerful. Pastor Linda talked about today being the Sanctity of Life Sunday. She said that some people advocate abortion because they think that it's humane if a child is not going to have a good home to go into, is going to be poor or whatnot. But she said the Lord does not see it that way. Each life, each life is created in God's image and precious from conception. And I have a friend who was conceived in rape. He's now a pastor. And I'll tell you that every single person he's ever ministered to is so glad that his mother did not choose abortion. Pastor Linda referred to Proverbs 31.8, and I'm not exactly sure which translation she was using, but as I was looking through the various translations, I came across the New Living Translation, which says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. And of course, the pre-born have no voice. They literally have no voice. And from a film that a friend of mine, Tracy Robinson, did, The Matter of Life, uh, we know that babies in the second trimester are literally crushed because they're too large to come through the vacuum. And so the abortionist has to go in with instruments to pull the child out, literally tearing it limb from limb. And when they get to the head, the forceps crush the skull and they pull out the matter. Then they have to piece it all together in a Petri dish to make sure they got everything. And so it was a wonderful way uh, to remember that life begins at conception and that we must, must protect it. We praise God for the end of Roe v. Wade, but so many states, including our own New York, are killing babies left and right, and we need to be their voice, and we need to speak out against the slaughter that's going on. The Lord cares about the small, and Pastor Jim reminded us that he cares about the grand scheme of things. He showed us an image that was taken by the National Science Foundation's Noir Lab, N-O-I-R Lab. It shows the galactic plane of the Milky Way galaxy, and astronomers have captured more than three billion stars and galaxies in one of the biggest sky surveys ever. And they estimate that there are hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way And so the article says the cosmic catalog is certain to grow. And Pastor Jim quoted Andrew Sejiari, a doctoral candidate in physics at Harvard University, who said, despite many hours of staring at images containing tens of thousands of stars, I am not sure my mind has wrapped around the magnitude of these numbers. Pastor Jim pointed out how God said to Abram, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Now, in New York City, we get one star. The North Star is pretty much all we can see at night. 
But when I first got started touring with my one-man plays, I was driving with a friend through Eastern Oregon, and I was in the back of the truck, and it was wobbly, and I kept waking up, and I said, hey, pull over. And he said, there's no shoulder to the road. And I said, we're in the middle of Eastern Oregon in the middle of the night. Just stop. So for a half hour, we sat there. No cars came. And we looked up into the sky and had some kind of a sense of what Abraham Abram at that point in his life would have seen. But with this new technology, we know that there's no way that Abram, even with no light pollution on earth, could have had a concept of how many stars God has created. And so Pastor Jim showed us these images and explained what we were looking at just before we went to worship the God of all creation. And Pastor Jim said, God is not a man like us. He is so far beyond our scope. I'm in a Bible study led by Dr. Kirby Runyon, who is a creative space consultant, space communicator, space tour guide, planetary geologist and geomorphologist at the Planetary Science Institute. And Kirby likes to say, as he shows us these extraordinary space photos, that God created these things knowing that it would take all of this time for us to have the technology that we could even see them. But he created them for our enjoyment and he put it all into perspective. And if you watch the, the video that I've embedded here at westchesterchapel.blogspot.com on today's date, which is January 22nd, you'll see a video footage of this image as it drills down into the depths. And then you see the movement that they've captured as, as all of these work in perfect harmony out there, just set in motion by the, by the God of all creation. Remember how great God is and live your life with his greatness flowing through you. This past weekend, I visited my parents who live in Maryland, and I had the chance to visit some extended family. And my parents live in the house that I grew up in, and they attend the church that I grew up in. So I also had the opportunity to attend worship at the church that I grew up in. We were led in worship on Sunday morning by a friend who I grew up with. And I saw people that I knew and who knew me when I was five years old, including one of my Sunday school teachers from elementary school, standing in worship and singing songs about God's faithfulness, standing alongside people who had walked with the Lord before I was born, who declared his faithfulness and his word to me, who lived out life following Jesus in front of me, and who walk with him even now, when I'm in my 40s, was powerful. I remembered the truth of the gospel and his faithfulness in a different way moving through this week.
This morning, we are continuing our series. What happens when the created people walk away from their creator? Looking at 2 Peter. 2 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter. And his audience was Gentile believers living in a pagan setting. But with a more Hellenistic or Greek way of thinking than the readers of 1 Peter might have had. And we find that they're dealing with false teachers. People who are twisting the gospel. Peter wrote this letter to remind his audience of his teaching. What are the foundations, the basics for living godly and holy lives to defend the teaching against the, these false teachers that have crept up and to encourage his audience to live holy and godly lives. Our passage this morning marks a transition. In chapter 2, Peter was focused on the false teachers, on describing the false teachers, on the judgment on false teachers and the ungodly, and in contrast, the rescue of the righteous, and on the condemnation of their conduct and their character. False teachers are twisting the gospel, and Peter made it absolutely clear the ways in which the gospel was being distorted and what's going to happen to the false teachers. And he does not want the believers to fall prey to the distorted thinking, teaching, and living that are being presented in these false teachers. But as we start in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter moves his focus back to his fellow believers. And he begins this section in verse 1 by saying this. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Addressing the believers with an affectionate greeting. Dear friends or beloved ones. Peter indicates that this is his second letter. Some scholars believe that the reference is to 1 Peter. Other scholars have a variety of theories on what the second letter that Peter is referring to is. But regardless, Peter is indicating that what he is writing is important. It was important enough for him to write two letters about it. And the second half of the verse indicates the contents of those letters. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Okay. Both letters were reminders to stimulate or to stir up wholesome or pure thinking. That word reminder or in the original language, hypomenesi is more than just the post-it notes I put on my desk and on my, my computer to remind me to send an email or to pay a bill. The word is better stated to put in remembrance of. 
And it is a participatory remembrance. The Lord's Supper, communion, which we took today, which we celebrated together today in our worship, is this kind of remembrance that Peter is describing here. Communion is not just a recollection of Jesus and his work on the cross but actively fulfills the remembrance as we take our bread, remembering as Jesus declared at Passover, his body broken for us. And as we take the cup, remembering the new covenant in his blood. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. One of the scripture that is used for communion, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is participating in and declaring remembrance. So this participatory, active remembrance is intended to do what? It is To stimulate you to or stir up in you wholesome thinking or a pure mind. The idea is morally pure thinking. Thinking that is in line with what the Lord taught. Peter's audience is dealing with false teachers. Who Peter described in chapter 2 as blots and blemishes reveling in their deception while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. These false teachers who have stopped following the gospel who are distorting the truth, have thinking that is unwholesome, not pure. And this is evident in the way that they are acting and the way that they are living their lives. That connection to the Lord is broken, and so his ways of thinking and doing things are not flowing through their life. But the gospel of Jesus shapes believers thinking differently. Peter wants this active, participatory remembrance of their relationship with God and the gospel to stir them up to pure thinking. Peter still wants to ensure that the believers do not fall prey to the false teachers. And one of the ways that they do this is the remembrance that leads to the wholesome, spotless thinking. Moving on to verse 2. Peter further elaborates on this remembrance or recollection in verse 1, saying, I want you to recall the words in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. 
This word recall is not actually the same word in the original language as in verse 1. They don't actually share the same root. This remembrance is more like to remember or to be mindful of. And it's not just something that we reflect on the way we would fond memories with friends and family. And this remembrance is not just an intellectual exercise. This isn't a scholarly paper that we're remembering the information for. This remembrance is an active remembrance. One lived out in the lives of believers. And what they are called to actively remember is the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Let's break that down a little bit. Peter is calling on them to remember the scripture. For us, it would be the Old Testament. And the commands and the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Through your apostles, meaning the things that they have been taught about the gospel and what it means about the way that they are to live their lives. The words of the holy prophets, the scriptures, the gospel originally declared by Jesus and taught by the apostles is to be actively remembered. The active remembrance shapes a believer's entire life. It encompasses relationship, connection to God. And love demonstrated in obedience and a love demonstrated to others. When I was doing this word study, um, I, uh, using the 10 volume Kittle, um, Kittle in his definition of this word to remember used in verse two, in his study of the original language says that this remembrance that Peter is calling for carries with it the thinking in terms of salvation history and the community which the whole of scripture demands. <laughs> this remembrance is what runs through, is, is about, this remembrance is focused on what has come through all of scripture. What God has done in salvation history. This is so much bigger than recalling information for a test. Um, I actually was so excited when I read the, the section in, on the word study. I was so like blown away by what, you know, what this, what Peter was saying, what he meant by this active remembrance that I like ran out of the room. Like I, I went out of the room into the living room and had to, to share this 
with my roommate that this is this is what this means because it was just so just so different then I thought about remembering the gospel it is a remembrance of the scriptures and of the gospel that is carried out in their lives and certainly that is the kind of remembering that helps to combat false teachers. When our minds and our thoughts are fixed on the scripture and living that out, we are focused on our connection to the Lord and living that out. In visiting the church that I grew up in, the Lord was inviting me into an active remembrance. As I worshiped in the same location that I had learned what worship was. As I heard the scripture declared and received the word along some of the same side of some of the same people that had taught me that word. In Sunday school, and with their entire lives. I saw the meaning of scripture. And so it was very, it was a different experience than I've had worshiping there previously. As I thought about that. This is not a call to us. To a time and a place. So I'm talking about the church that I grew up in and my experiences worshiping in that community. It's not a call to go back to the same location where we first heard the gospel. The call as believers by Peter were called to actively participate in the remembering of the gospel. And we too are called to this remembrance. Remember the teaching of the word, the truths of scripture, and allow them to shape your mind, your thinking, your decision making, and your life. That is our call. To stay connected to the Lord and to remember his truths by living them out in our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you that we were able to remember together this active participatory remembrance. By taking the bread and the cup, we're able to remember together Jesus' work on the cross, his body broken for us, his blood shed for this new covenant that gives us life, the opportunity to connect to you, Lord. Lord, we have been reminded today of your faithfulness. Lord, help us to remember, enable us to live out the truths of scripture, the truths of the gospel message in our lives. Lord, this was so important that Peter wrote it twice to the people. 
that he wanted them to recall. Lord, help us to recall these things. That our minds would be fixed on you. That our minds would be fixed on the pure and the wholesome. Enable us, Lord, to actively participate in the remembrance of your truths. To live out what we believe. We ask this in your name. Amen. Praise the Lord. People of Westchester Chapel, would you extend your hands to receive the blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in God's peace. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work. But if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.